you're listening to the Tongue Tie Experts Podcast, a weekly program providing information and support for those families impacted by tongue and lip tie and the professionals caring for them. I'm Lisa Palladino, a midwife and a lactation consultant with over 30 years of experience. If you are a parent looking for answers or a professional who is curious to learn more than what you learned in school on this topic, welcome. This podcast is for you. A gentle disclaimer, please do not consider anything discussed on this podcast by myself or any guest of the podcast to be medical advice. The information is provided for educational purposes only and does not take the place of your own medical or lactation provider. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. So for those of you who are new, my name is Lisa Palladino. I run the Tongue Tie Experts Instagram and Facebook world. Um, I say all the time, I hope you understand that I don't think I am the expert. I think we're all experts. And now that I've launched a podcast, every other week, I'm trying to alternate interviewing a professional in the field and a parent because the parents are just as much the experts in most cases having gone through it as are the providers who take care of families. So this week I am interviewing someone who happens to be a provider, a nurse practitioner and a parent. And she's got so much experience and she has agreed to come on and share it with us. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for joining us today, tonight, this evening, <laughs> whenever you're listening. <laughs> yes, it's um, it's six o'clock where I in my time zone. Okay, so Karen, please tell us a little bit about yourself and what motivated you to reach out to me so fast and say, Lisa, I have to tell my story. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, I um, am mom of, um, I'm pregnant with my sixth baby, um, halfway through, um, the first, congratulations. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, the first four were biological babies. Um, the fifth one we just adopted within the last year from India, um, our fifth bio. Um, and the first four babies were all tongue tied and it was a brand new experience for me. I had been um, a pediatric nurse prior to that, prior to having children, um, and had my women's health nurse practitioner training during that time as well, while I was working at the hospital. So I felt very, uh, mentally equipped for like challenges in birthing and child, um, raising. And it was totally threw a wrench and just made me, um, really question if I knew anything. <laughs> because right. I, I hear you. I, I say often, we just don't learn about this in school. No, right? there's nothing in it. There was nothing in my RN training, in my midwifery training, which is similar to nurse practitioner training. We probably use the same books. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and not even a lot in the lactation training. Oh, really? So yeah, we, we just don't learn about this in school. So, so you, how old is your, your oldest that my had the 
10. Okay. So 10 years ago, that was right about when I was getting started. Oh, wow. So there was not a lot of, not a lot of stuff around. Yeah. Because it was, um, it was challenging. We, um, he induced because I had preeclampsia and then, so I was in the hospital and started trying to breastfeed and I was very committed to breastfeeding. I did not want to do formula, just, um, a laziness issue of like not wanting, you know. Yeah, breastfeeding is easier when it works, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I was really committed to that. And the um, lactation consultants in the hospital were okay, but they would just stop by once a day and then ask if I had any problems and leave. Um, didn't really troubleshoot with me a whole lot. And I was having pain and he was not latching um, correctly, but he was getting enough. So he was having the wet diapers. Um, and then he had gained weight before we left the hospital. And so from their mm -hmm. perspective, they said, oh, everything's fine. And I said, I'm still in a time. Yeah, you know what? That's so common. It's, it's just so common that the only metric that healthcare providers look at is weight gain. Yes. And don't don't consider the mother's experience. Absolutely. You know, you know other than the fact that it's a risk to have damaged nipples it's a physical risk but it's also makes your breastfeeding experience not what you expected it to be you think it's going to be this lovely i'm going to hold the baby and everything's going to be lovely and sweet and comfortable and then all of a sudden it's like ouch right yes yes yeah. absolutely affects bonding too i felt mm -hmm. that I one of them that i wasn't um enjoying that time with them mm -hmm. really painful and i would cry every time I had to feed him. It was so painful. And I kept telling, I kept calling the hospital because I didn't know who else to call. And they kept mm -hmm. saying, well, now you're, you've left the hospital. We can't really help you anymore. Mm -hmm. Which was hard. And I had that vasospasm. The mm -hmm. I had every telltale sign of a bad latch. Mm -hmm. Wait, the pediatrician was happy and uh, nobody wanted to do anything about it. So right. And nobody suggested that you see a lactation consultant. No. Yeah. yeah. So you're proving my point of why I am teaching all healthcare professionals and not just lactation consultants about tongue tie. Because yes. most women don't get referred to a lactation consultant. And oh. then they give up breastfeeding without having a good shot at it. Mm -hmm. And they think it's their fault. Like there's something that they couldn't figure out and they failed at right. Just right. makes me sad. <laughs> I've yeah, learned. I feel sad for you. I'm so sorry. Yeah, well, it was, it really opened my eyes to a whole new world of lactation consultants because I hadn't ever interacted mm -hmm. before. And mm -hmm. I ended up finding one of my own several months in, and she's the one that looked and she said, mm -hmm. I think he's tongue tied and I think you should mm -hmm. go see somebody. Um, and so I asked my pediatrician and he sent me to an ENT. The ENT mm -hmm. said he's gaining weight. He's fine. And then told me that his wife had a baby, you know, he and his wife had a baby that was tongue tied and was causing her pain. And so he clipped his child. But not yours. But he said he wouldn't do mine because he, he was gaining weight appropriately and even well, but I was bleeding. He was having coffee grounds stools. Wow. So for those who don't know what that means, that means that he was ingesting his mother's blood and that was coming out looking like bloody stool but it's yeah. it's not that the baby's bleeding it's that he was having your blood mm -hmm. so um somebody has a comment and i need my glasses 
Mama Iman says, I had pain and most people tell me, told me it was normal. Um, I believe so strongly that it's not normal that I actually wrote a book called It Shouldn't Hurt to Nurse Your Baby. If anybody's interested in that, it's available on Kindle. It's not expensive. And it's, uh, it's the link is in my bio. It shouldn't hurt. I mean, yeah, a little tenderness and getting used to the sensation of a suckling baby. But cracked and bleeding nipples, not normal. And the other thing about that, Karen, is what we know is that's not just about mom, right? Forget all that we just said about the bonding and, and the pain and the physical problems with it. If, the, if it hurts, it means the baby's not nursing efficiently. Right. So the baby's struggling. So it, it's a sign of the baby's struggle when the mother's nipples are that bad. So Absolutely. So what, so what did you do then? So we ended up um, after that, I kept pursuing it because I, I knew something's wrong. It's still hurting. I'm really, mm -hmm. I went and saw, I don't remember exactly how I got to this particular provider, but I ended up at a oral surgeon who wow. stuck his, pulled his scissors out of his, uh, the little sterile pack, stuck in his, mm -hmm. flipped it and it was done. I don't think it took more than <laughs> a couple seconds. And my husband's mm -hmm. Thought we could have just done this at home. Uh -huh. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, obviously didn't far enough back. Right, but it gave you some relief. Right, it I gave think some more mobility. Right, I think that was probably eight or nine months in. Wow, wow. And he had all the telltale signs. Now looking back, he has a very high arched palate, narrow mm -hmm. mouth. Um, he's going to need a palate expander later, mm -hmm. uh, but you can tell it's not even a subtle tie it was right it was significant yeah so it was something i looked for when i had my next baby and mm -hmm. he was born at home and i had uh, home birth midwives and they checked right away it was part of their whole head-to-toe newborn exam and they mm -hmm. said hey he's tongue-tied it was a um i forgot is it graded or staged i don't like to use the numbers because okay. <laughs> there's different it gets really confusing because the two different classification systems, one for one of them, one is the worst. And for another classification, four is the worst. Okay. So, so yeah. I just, I like to describe where it is. So if it was very severe, it was probably anterior, probably anterior. towards the front. All the way mm -hmm. to the tongue. So yeah. stick his tongue out. Um, right. So they referred me to um, a laser dentist right away, someone that they'd worked with a lot, and mm -hmm. but, but until he was a week old. And so mm -hmm. a week, um, a painful week, <laughs> right, right. Um, that was rough. Um, but we, and how, how long between those two babies? Like, were you healed yet? <laughs> I know barely. And like, I Aww. had only weaned the other one. Uh, the first one, he was probably, I probably weaned him around 15 or 18 months. Right. And the, um, my second son was born, um, two years, they're two years apart. So mm -hmm. I had just a few months. And the rest of back trauma and pain. Right. And he, I think because I had, was so close in weaning and having the next baby, I don't think I was paying attention to nourishing myself and mm -hmm. uh, recovering after pregnancy, postpartum, breastfeeding, mm -hmm. the baby who was eating every, he was still eating every three hours. At, right, right. So um, I think I was a little bit undernourished. Um, right. And so I don't know if that contributed to my, you know, micronutrient status when I was pregnant mm -hmm. with or not. But uh, right. 
So he. So, so that sounds like a segue into what you do now as a nurse practitioner, right? Right. You've, it sounds like you've taken that experience and you are dedicated to helping women make sure that they are nourished in the postpartum period, right? Absolutely. And nourished in the perception period too. People, mm-hmm. um, not everyone um, seeks out that kind of um, advice, you know, early when they're trying to get pregnant, they mm-hmm. think, oh, I'll see someone, you know, when I get pregnant, but that t- preconception time is so important. Yeah nourishing and, you know, getting into the optimal nutrient stats, not just for mom, but for um, the father too. Um, so that mm-hmm. even when you have a probably genetic um, predisposition to tongue tie, that you're doing everything you can nutritionally to support mm-hmm. the body to have um, um, prevent like neural tube, neural tube defects and then also midline defects, you know, with um, mm-hmm. cleft lip and palate. But, yeah. The other thing that, that also is there, um, the issue of milk supply and like your kids did okay because you had a great milk supply even if you weren't at your top nourishment right. but I see so many um, parents who come to me early postpartum and their milk supply their milk supply isn't good because they are so depleted right you know right. and you know talking about not just food but making sure that like as you said the micronutrients the vitamins vitamin d they're anemic they're low iron and all of those things we can start in the preconception time and actually helps fertility right yeah yeah i mean it sounds like we're getting off the topic of tongue tie but we're not because you want to have a copious milk supply if you have a tongue tied baby because that will help get things over the hump Right. So the other side of things is people who whose babies are not gaining. And, you know, that's the sign of tongue tie. So it can go either way. It can go either way with milk supply and with weight gain. Absolutely. And I was just real motivated because of my experience. And I said, I do want to have more babies, but Mm -hmm. I want to do everything I can to set myself Mm -hmm. up for success. And maybe if they're still going to have it, maybe it won't be as severe. Or I mm-hmm. do anything I could to prevent it from happening again for their sake and also for, right. for both of us. Yeah. So it, I mean, there's not so much research that's really, um, some, you know, dependable about the connection. Right. Of, you know, it's, to me, it seems like everybody has tongue tie now. I mean, I only see people having problems. Mm-hmm. So of course it seems like everybody I see has tongue tie. It's rare. But I did have I did have a baby a couple of weeks ago that did not have tongue tie. I came to my office. Mom had some concerns, and we there was no tongue tie. It was beautiful, very functional. And I was like, "Wow, not every baby has tongue tie." Um, <laughs> but um, you know, when we talk about for those who don't know what we're talking about, the midline defects and the processing of methylfolate, and that's a genetic condition um, involving the MTHFR gene. And some people can't process fully or have a problem with that metabolism. And there's a theory that those people are the ones who will have defects such as tongue tie and then going all the way down clefts and other midline defects like spina bifida, neural tube defects. But there's no proof to that. Which, And I have, I don't have the defect. My kids don't. And two of my kids were tongue tie, are tongue tied. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was too. Yeah. So yeah. it's something it's it's like it's not just your genes. It might be part of your genes, yeah. but it's not just your it's genes. A research yeah. gap, I think. Um 
there's so many more kids having it, I think, or maybe we're just getting better at detecting it. Mm -hmm. um, It's definitely a research opportunity to find out, improve that. Absolutely. So, yeah. So then, so then you got the the laser procedure and how is that baby? How was thing? How were things with that baby after? His reattached quite a bit. Um, His, I think, was a lot he also had a posterior tie. It was just mm-hmm. really severe all around. And I think, I don't know at the time if they got as far back as they needed to, because afterwards I still had some issues with latching and he just didn't want to stay lat. He didn't want to stay mm-hmm. latched. On. He would be off and on, off and on like a distracted toddler, like, like mm-hmm. a one or one and a half year old might nurse. And right. so had the, like getting too much for milk, mm-hmm. uh, so did anybody talk to you about other therapies? No. Any any mention? So because if I knew you then, I would have said, let's do some body work. Let's oh. see what else is going on. You know, some either chiropractic or CST or something that will get the baby to get those muscles at a better state even before the procedure if possible. Right. You know, or or if not before the procedure because you were in so much pain then immediately mm-hmm. after i would have absolutely know. taken advantage of all those because yeah. i was in dallas uh, at the time and there are lots of practitioners in dallas and fort worth that yeah. things you know, mm-hmm. therapy and um all those things and we're mm-hmm. in a small town in nebraska now so we don't have as much mm-hmm. access to those uh-huh. but we do have good chiropractors and um mm-hmm. i'm a huge believer in body work in general for yeah. not just yeah i find that the babies that have chi- uh, chiropractic or any kind of body work that addresses their tensions yes. do better with the release and have less reattachment again there's not a lot of research to that but it's experiential and most of the people that i talk to who do this kind of work see the same thing and it's um, a risk high reward intervention you know you're not yeah. losing right. by trying it um, right it doesn't work you right exactly got a nice massage <laughs> exactly and um and then we release the tongue but we ha- the baby has to learn how to use that tongue mm-hmm. right so yeah. that's why it's not always a quick fix and why you might not have had everything be you know all uh sweetness and roses right after the procedure right yes i definitely should have had a lactation consultant working with me right afterwards and i did see one um, she came by once or twice afterwards but i definitely felt like i needed more work with mm-hmm. him training his tongue um we mm-hmm. that um whether it was a lack of me being able to find them or um just a, a lack of people doing that in the area so right. and the lack of somebody explaining to you the whole right. process right uh, and so that that didn't have any follow-up with me he was just kind of mm-hmm. like we did it now you're done Here's your stretch. Right. that was it and um my next two babies um we've been working with a laser dentist um, in Nebraska and he is wonderful. He's very educated um, and is works with a myofunctional um, specialist and requires Mm -hmm. people to see someone beforehand to prepare Mm -hmm. and then afterwards, um, Mm -hmm. especially with the older kids that can follow. I was going to say myofunctional therapy. There are some myofunctional therapists that see babies, but they're real. That's not really in their scope. Right. Unless they are also a IBCLC. I want to just explain that for the people who are listening, that myofunctional therapy is something that you have to actively do exercises for. It's not a passive thing. 
but very important for older kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, wh while I say that the IBCLC is someone that the newborns, the infants should be seeing, once they're past the toddler stage or they're having trouble with feeding, it should be a speech language pathologist guiding the care who's trained in oral facial myology. Right. You know, you know so, so there's different specialties that take care of different functional stages of the life, right? So definitely a team effort. <laughs> Absolutely. Team tongue tie all the way. <laughs> yeah. So, so now that's baby number three and four the same. So three, um, his wasn't as severe. Okay. Um, wasn't having as, um, as much pain nursing. He was gaining weight. He's my biggest baby. Mm -hmm. Um, noticed that there was some element of tongue tie and I should have had it fixed as a baby, but I didn't know again of any laser dentists in the area. And he was, we were doing okay. He was, mm -hmm. wasn't having pain. It was okay. I just knew we're going to have to do it at some point. Um, he also didn't sleep well. And then, um, mm -hmm. would have, I noticed later, like just some breathing issues at night. Okay. So, um, I didn't do anything with him as an infant. And then mm -hmm. my fourth one had a, I would say moderate um, tie, but it was, um, she had the anterior. And again, didn't know if this. I'm going to she, now you got a girl too. <laughs> so three boys, girl, she's still the only girl. <laughs> um, so she still had one. And then I um, found this laser dentist um, back in Dallas and we had friends mm -hmm. there back and visited. So about a, at four months, we went and saw her and she um, used the second one and the fourth one. They used the, I think it was it's called a geode laser. Okay. Um, and geode. Diode. Laser dentist that we see yeah. here, the difference. But yeah. um, so she told me, she, I can't believe she's feeding appropriately, yeah. gaining weight with the extent of the tongue tie that she has. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I've been through three of them. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know what? I'm glad you said that because there's often people think that you can tell by how, how bad the tongue tie is by looking at it. Mm -hmm. And you can't because it's a functional diagnosis. So she had better tongue function, even though it appeared to be not so good. Right. So when people post pictures for me and say, is this a tongue tie? I refuse to, to answer that. Yeah. Because yeah. they could look like a tongue tie, but if everything's working, mm -hmm. then it's not a tie. It's not because it's functional. It's not right. what it looks like because the frenum is normal. It's normal to have an attachment. It's just where it's attached, how flexible it is, and if it prevents normal mobility and function. Yeah. Right. Later with, you know, um, how that, like with the posterior ties and just how tight it is, um, mm -hmm. can't see. I mean, we can see the frenum, but sometimes we can't see all of the, all of the um, tightness, I guess, underneath or not mm -hmm. trying to see all the, um, yeah. the pulling underneath and then the same mm -hmm. Buckle ties. All my kids have buckle ties on the top mm -hmm. of them as well. And so I know that was wow. their latch yeah. uh, ability to get their lip curled out. Absolutely. So for those listening who don't know what buckle ties are, those are ties in the cheeks that prevent the, the mouth from opening wide and it get interferes with breastfeeding for sure. Um, so yeah, the posterior tongue tie, that submucosal, the tie that looks like people will look and say, oh, it's just slight. And it doesn't look obvious for those who are just trained in the front of the tongue looking anterior tie, like we learn about in school. 
will often look under the tongue and say, oh, it's just a slight tie, which is kind of silly because those cause more difficulty often than the anterior ties. Right. You know, I just I just had a brand new grandson and he had a posterior tie. Like people with the, the midwives that delivered him were like, oh, he doesn't have a tongue tie. And I was like, mm, yes, he does. You know, and uh, again, the weight gain was wonderful, but my daughter was having pain and he was popping on and off. And he's still, even though he's had the release, he's still, we're still working with him. He's seeing an occupational therapist. She's doing exercises with him because he was born. And I think position has a lot to do with oh. things too. He was born very like asynclitically. So his head was in the pelvis crooked and he had molding coming out one side of his head. So he automatically was tilting, you know, and all of his function was going towards that side. So he did much better on one side than the other. So you may hear babies who nurse better on one side or the other. And um, women often blame their anatomy. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah, that's my slacker boob or my nipple isn't good on that side. But most of the time, it's the baby's uncomfortable turning one side to the other. Mm -hmm. So if anybody, again, if listeners are, are, have a baby who has any kind of torticollis, meaning it's hard to turn one side or the other, or tightness on one side. Babies prefer one side more than the other. Definitely body work before you think about tongue tie release, because mm -hmm. you want to get everything functioning. Absolutely. Yeah. So now you're, you're pregnant again. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm really and, and you're hoping that this time everything will be okay. Right? Yeah. Yes, but if not, um, I know now. <laughs> right, right. Times I have my resources lined up, which I think makes a huge difference in mm -hmm. anxiety afterwards. You know, the first time I was going in totally blind and I knew nothing and I didn't know where mm -hmm. to go. And ran into a bunch of dead ends, but mm -hmm. you know, with a lot of things with postpartum, getting your resources lined up ahead of time it makes mm -hmm. a huge difference uh, because it just takes the stress away. You don't have to while you're in a stressful, depleted, tired state, try to do all this research and find the people that you need, um, getting that lined up ahead of time is yes. so helpful. It's, key. it's definitely key because um, you have a problem, but you're almost paralyzed to do anything about it. Early postpartum, you're just trying to survive, most people. Right. Some people are super women, but <laughs> most people, we don't expect them to be able to do anything but feed the baby, sleep a little bit when they can, nourish themselves, take a shower every couple of days. Right? You know, that early postpartum time. And especially if you have other children. Right. right. Especially if it's in a, you know, a, a pandemic time where not all healthcare providers are as available and there's not as many support um, opportunities available. And for, people, for young families now. So I know that was really tricky in 2020, like people trying to, you know, get lactation consultants mm -hmm. to their home. And I'm sure plenty were willing, but it was yeah. just a hard thing to know. Is this, should I do this? Should I not? Yeah. And having yeah. people in our homes during that time, I think. People, yeah. Okay. Now, most people went virtual. Um, I did lots of virtual consults. I'm not a fan of it because I'm very very hands-on and it's very hard to examine a baby virtually even seeing a feeding is hard but there are lactation consultants that are amazing at it and actually prefer it now because mm -hmm. they they got so skilled in showing the the parents how to position the camera so that it can be observed uh, and stuff like that 
but um yeah i mean especially in new york city nobody wanted to go into other right. people's homes it was that the virus was so, such at high such high levels mm -hmm. and you know taking a chance it just wasn't worth it because then you can't see anyone else mm -hmm. you know get exposed if you have possible exposure way back then you couldn't see other people because we didn't even know what how it was transmitted in the beginning you know absolutely anyway so yeah. hopefully we're past all that <laughs> so do you mind me asking you are you planning another home birth or well it's actually sadly very sadly um home birthing uh or for a midwife to attend a home birth in nebraska is a class four felony it is um which makes me very wow sad. i'm so sorry i'm <laughs> sorry for all of the women there and i'm sorry for the midwives there yes yes it's a rural state and you know we mm -hmm. the biggest cities are all the way on the east side um and then mm -hmm. so you have a whole rest of the state very agricultural very mm -hmm. rural. Uh, we have birth workers out there who want to work who want to do the work they want to you know their families in farming or you mm -hmm. know, they grew up there so they want to be there and they want to do the work but it's not legal and so they're mm -hmm. paying tons of money for OBs to come out and stay in these rural areas and they don't want to stay there because they're not from there they have no connection you know they don't mm -hmm. in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska and so mm -hmm. um, it seems like an easy solution to me but it's um yeah not there's been lobbying and mm -hmm. tried to fix it but there's mm -hmm. one hospital birthing center in nebraska so wow. um, a couple groups of midwives throughout the state too um, but there's a laser dentist that we've been seeing um, in omaha and he mm -hmm. recently this within the last six months revised my first three boys um i took them in because one of them was face was changing a lot. I mean, like 10 is a growth spurt. So he mm -hmm. um, face was changing with teeth falling out, new teeth coming in. And then the second one I felt still had attachment and was having, um, is in speech language therapy. Mm -hmm. uh, we could work with him on that better if his tongue could move. <laughs> and mm -hmm. the third one was having almost, it looked like sleep apnea at night. I was going to say, you mentioned airway before, and that's a component that a lot of people aren't aware of. Oh, that if the tongue is tied, it it affects the shape of the palate and the palate is the bottom of the sinus cavity. And then picture that in three dimension going back. So if the palate is high, the sinuses are, are narrow and the whole airway going back is narrow as well. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. And I, I learned from this dentist that that happens all in utero before they're even born, they have mm -hmm. a high before they're born. Mm -hmm practicing those sucking motions, their yeah. tongue able to get into the right position and it shapes their palate that way. Mm -hmm. So that made a lot of sense. People told me afterwards that he had a high palate, but I didn't really think anything of it, but mm -hmm. I'll revised with a CO2 laser, which was mm -hmm. field laser. He, yeah. he wouldn't do tongue ties with the other laser anymore, that this would work so much better, that there's less bleeding, there's less scarring, less reattachment. Yeah. Um, I prefer a CO2 laser over the diode. I wouldn't recommend anybody. To diode. Use that. That's what I'm calling it geode. <laughs> diode, yeah. Yeah, that, the diode is more, it, it kind of burns the tissue away, oh, whereas right. the laser like literally vaporizes it. It's kind of cool. I've played with CO2 lasers. They're okay. fun. <laughs> Wrote my name in a tomato with a CO2 laser. <laughs> 
That's yeah, I've been to the, the labs where the where the dentists learn to use that. You know, as a midwife, as a nurse practitioner, even you could do the procedure. Mm-hmm. It's it's within our license to do it, but I'd rather not. I'd rather send it because I have people to send to. I'd rather send people off. Yeah. Um, so if you were talking to parents, what message would you like them to know? Like what would be what would be something that you wished you had known ahead of time so that we can help new parents that might be facing this for the first time? Mm. I would say, like we spoke earlier about lining your resources up, you know, mm-hmm. even if it's your first baby, you have no idea how that baby's gonna come out, <laughs> you know, like what sort of mm-hmm. uh, anatomy they're gonna have. I would absolutely, I always tell people line up a lactation consultant or mm-hmm. business like the, I know there's like storefronts now that, and services that have multiple lactation consultants, um, just find them and make a little list or mm-hmm. down to your friends or family and get those mm-hmm. people ahead of time and even call them and just yeah. say, Hey, I'm a new mom. I don't, I don't anticipate having problems, but don't not anticipate it. Like what's the setup? So, yeah. so you know what, Karen, you, I think everybody should see a lactation consultant if it's possible. Not even you, it, there doesn't have to be a problem. Oh, absolutely. Right. So what I love is sometimes I see parents and I make a package for them. So we have one visit ahead of time when they're pregnant. Yes. And either either discuss all about it's like a mini class all about what to expect in the first few days and then a visit included within a week of the baby's birth so that we can troubleshoot what went on. It works really well for second time parents because we can think about what happened the first time and what they want to do differently and okay. how to do that. Absolutely. Because you can't do the same thing over again, expect a different result. <laughs> I got yeah. that advice to a friend of mine who had, um, she found out after her second child that she has, um, doesn't have, was it low glandular tissue? Okay. So she was having trouble with supply issues the second time and she was just having a lot of anxiety with her third baby about what am I going to do? And I said, you mm-hmm. need a lactation consultant now for the babies mm-hmm. have a plan going mm-hmm. forward. Um, and I think that is, makes it Absolutely. huge. It's key, especially somebody who has some medical experience. And there are, there are lactation consultants that specialize in the field of low milk supply. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one way you can work virtually because you oh, don't yeah. really need to, you know, that, that's a plan, a uh, um, that you can have in place with virtual visits that mm-hmm. can help you get ready and, and optimize things. Right. And then just mentally prepare yourself, mm-hmm. knowing mm-hmm. that like, I'm not going to be stressing about how often I'm pumping or what kind of bottles I'm using or what kind of having what kind of formula around. If you right. have written out, you know, when that happens, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And exactly did that and had so much less stress the second time around. I think that would definitely apply for tongue tie, getting mm-hmm. those resources in place. And then also your support in place and having um, your community around to, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to be working on feeding this baby a lot and I'm going to be going to the lactation consultant or she's going to be coming here. I'm going to need help with my childcare. I'm going to need skills. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need someone to text me and say, you're doing a great job. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So yes, you have a handout for our listeners, right? Tell us about your handout. So I, when, um, when I contacted you about um, talking about this, the first thing that went into my mind is like, what would, what did I want to know? And then what did I want to, what was helpful for me when I went through that? And it's a lot of the same kind of postpartum support type things, but some of them are more specific to tongue tie, you know, as far as like having appointments and having the time that you need to take extra when you're learning how to feed your baby, you know, with older siblings, um, things like that. So I kind of just put it all on a list and I separated it between, you know, some people were close by and had time, you know, they, mm-hmm. they're out of the house or they were older and they could come and spend time with me. There were people who couldn't come because they, they had lots of little kids themselves, but could make something. And then mm-hmm. they were far away and they couldn't come help and they couldn't make anything for me, but they could mail me things. And oh, that's so, great. Um, I kind of separated it like that so people could see where, where can I best <laughs> um, fit this in. But um, I, a lot of times when a mom is going through difficulty with um, child, you know, after her, she has her baby or with pregnancy and everyone's, so a lot of times people are like, oh, well, here's some things to take care of yourself. Here's, you know, do a, a bubble bath or whatever. And it's, those things are great. And mm-hmm. no one's going to turn down a nice bath, but it's like, that's just one that's more. That's extra. You're trying to survive, not take bubble baths, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, the, it was nice, but I, I still need to feed everybody. <laughs> so you put together a handout that our listeners can download, right? And we'll put that link in the comments afterwards because I'm not that good right now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, in for the podcast, I'll put that in the show notes so that people can download your handout all about how to get ready and and how to have the support ready for you for postpartum right absolutely and i thank you for putting that together sure sure i just um i got into the work that i do now because of partially my experience and i just don't want women to have to go through what i went through in terms of feeling confused and like I, like I myself was the only person responsible for figuring this out, you know, diagnosing, finding the right treatment. And I don't want to feel that way. And I don't want to. And a little extra pressure on you because you are a healthcare provider. Right. So, so people expect you to be able to know things and do things. Mm -hmm. I know that's my experience anyway. So we didn't talk about how we, what our connection is. We have to give a little (laughs) shout out to Dr. Aviva Ram, right? Yeah, so I found um, I found found out that Lisa was talking about tongue ties um, through our Facebook group that we have set up for graduates of Aviva Ram's Integrative and Functional Medicine uh, or in, Women's Health Integrative and Functional Medicine <laughs> training. Yeah, it's a mouthful. It's a mouthful, but it's a great, great, great class and uh, program. I mean, I've I've just the people I've met through the program is amazing. Oh, but right. what we learn, and that's how you've learned to do your um, program that you run now too, right? Right, yes. Yeah. So I had done my like conventional nurse practitioner training and then had a huge gap between that and going, and you know I had all my babies and then I wanted to go back, but I knew I didn't want to go back and do what I was doing in school. The, I didn't mm-hmm. go work in a clinic the way that I was taught to work in a clinic, it just wasn't aligned with all the things mm-hmm. through 
having all these babies and learning to advocate for myself and get the treatment I needed and that my babies needed. And I had fallen, I just come across her articles and then her podcast. And then I, her class came up and I was like, that's exactly what I need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it yeah. was great. It was wonderful. Yeah, it, it is a wonderful program. Okay, so Karen, um, I've taken enough of your time. It sounds like I hear little ones in the background there. (laughs) So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. I am sure that our listeners will feel that they are um, less unique. They will hear some of their story in your story or your stories and be um, encouraged to find the support that they need to persevere for themselves and to stick with it when it's tough because you did it and you did it again and you came out the other side and you've got great kids and you feel good now and you have a career and it's all wonderful. And we wish you well with this new baby. Maybe we'll have you on again afterwards and talk about what that experience was. I might be (laughs) (laughs) yes absolutely give me a call give me a call all right thank you so much for joining us take care thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the tongue tie experts podcast please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app if you enjoy what you hear We'd love it if you'd rate, review, and share with your friends. Check out the show notes for useful links about the topics we discussed on this week's podcast. Also, you'll find the ways to follow us on social media. Bye-bye.